Legacy is a global co-working and conference community. We've had our fingers on the pulse of co-working since 2012, and we've connected thousands of operators, both in person and online. On the Juicy Podcast, we talk with the people making it happen day in and day out. Let's get to it. Jenny, thank you so much for joining me this morning in December. Oh, not December yet. Almost December. It's November 2020. And we're in this massive, crazy time warp. So I really appreciate you taking the time out to talk with me today. Of course. Thank you for having me, Liz. You bet. And Jenny, I start out every single conversation. We'll get to the business stuff. But first and foremost, how are you? Because it's a really weird time. I'm I'm all right. Um, it's it has been a roller coaster. I think there's definitely been a lot of crying and then a lot of like I, I'm seeing the silver lining in this. Um, so right now, I would say we we do a thing where we say what's what's the weather like where you're at. <laughs> and so <laughs> right now it's it's sunny here and it's feeling pretty good. I think there's there's this like gray sky coming that been looming for a while, right? Like this unknown. So I generally feel like tired and exhausted, but I'm grateful that we have a house, we have a family, we have food, we're all healthy here. Um, Mm -hmm. And we're doing okay, right? Like we're surviving. And I think that's the goal for everybody in 2020 is just to make it to the end of it. Right. Yeah, definitely. And thanks for being real. A lot of people have a hard time admitting that stuff's hard and this is hard. It's like, it's been a long, dark year and we're not out of it yet. So I, I totally hear you and I feel you. And it's funny. A lot of times people say, well, how are you, you know, how are you doing Liz? And I'm like, well, I'm working harder than ever and making no money. And they're like, yeah, so, 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 so are all of us. And, you know, I think the thing to remember is we're all going through it at the same time. I think the only person it's easy for is probably Jeff Bezos. Yeah, Elon Elon and Jeff are fine. So I absolutely have loved knowing you for so many years. And I love it when you guys show up to Juicy with your hoot hoot mother effer. Um, (laughs) Those are my favorite co-working t-shirts. But can you tell our audience a little bit about your journey of co-hoots? Yeah, so Kahoot started 10 years ago. We celebrated our 10-year anniversary this year with nothing really major, which is actually a huge relief because we were in the middle of COVID and I really do not enjoy event planning stuff. Um, (laughs) And so it was a great excuse to not throw a huge party. Uh, But we have been around for 10 years and my experience, my background is in journalism and design and marketing. And so before I started a co-working space, I worked as an art director at the Arizona Republic, which is the largest newspaper in Arizona and the third, I think, largest in the nation. And I ran a couple magazines and they essentially shut down all of the publications and let go of a ton of staff. And I was part of that round of of layoffs. And I kind of had to decide if I was going to go out and look for a new job or start something on my own. And I decided to start something on my own, which has been something that my family has always said not to do because I come from generations of entrepreneurs and it's never been glorified like how it is today. Entrepreneurship was always like the last resort for a lot of families. And so my parents growing up always told me never 
never do this, right? Like this is the hardest work you'll ever do. And I think everybody listening here probably can agree with that. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I did though, I went off on my own just because I was like, I could do this, right? Like I saw my parents build this and I think their struggles came from a lot of not knowing the community, not knowing the resources that are out there and not knowing the language. And so um, growing up in an immigrant family, I was always like there to help with some translation and some guidance and navigating different systems. And and so I went out and built my own design marketing agency and was running it out of my house. And, you know, the first couple months was like, oh, this is amazing. Work from home, (laughs) right? Like, Mm -hmm. uh, and and I set my own culture and um, I get up when I want and I work when I want. The dream of running your own business was there for the first couple months. And then it was like, I haven't gotten out of my pajamas in three weeks. (laughs) And just seeing the same things and not having any human interaction started to weigh on me. And I'm a pretty big introvert. So it took me a while for it to really sink in that I needed other people. But I also knew that the only way I typically grow is by being around people who are smarter than me. And so I went out to look for people uh, to be around. And that's when I kind of fell into co-working. Co-working didn't exist in, in our city at that time. So I didn't really know what it was. But I was like, I need to be around other people who know how to do this kind of stuff. And met some people that were in the same stage. And then we started just, it was actually just one guy. And I was like, I have this idea of like a space where I could bring people together and we're all at the same stage and we could help each other's businesses grow. And I was actually really focused on the creative industry, like the designers, the marketers, like the mini agency. And what if all these mini agency companies came together and we could come together and bid on bigger projects? Because I was not being taken seriously when I was, when it's just me and maybe an intern bidding on these big corporate clients or these big national clients. And so I said, what if we came together and we are all these experts and we would pitch these big, big, big projects. And um, one guy really loved it. And that just snowballed into this co-working concept of a big open space. Let's all share this space. We're all at a similar stage. We don't want to go in and sign a five-year lease, like the flexibility of it and not being forced to have to come in and, and utilize that space um, if we didn't feel like it. And so having that flexibility was really important. So we built the space and the rest is kind of co-working history, but it was really built on my own personal need to be around really, really smart people and also build my own business. And then over time, it grew into the side hustle thing grew into my main thing. And I think I really like figured out what I was meant to do in life through this. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the journey of getting into co-working. And what were you meant to do? <laughs> so I transitioned out of doing the marketing agency five years in. And that transition happened around when we decided to purchase a building and really go all in. But my marketing agency was around helping small businesses and local businesses that were kind of more social enterprises grow. And through that, I realized this whole world of like community building and placemaking and how cities are so involved in the success of small businesses and in the, the success of people in general. And if you can encourage your city to have the right recipe of things put together in there, then businesses can actually be, small businesses can be really, really successful. And so um, it moved into a lot of community building things, placemaking things, and help, and kind of connecting all of the things that I've been doing for a long time. Like I used to be a teacher, I used to, I used to be a Kinko's girl. My first job was like working at a Kinko's <laughs> doing copying and like fixing printers. And so like all of these things, like technology, 
technology, like finding tools, improving businesses, coming from an entrepreneurial family, being a person of color, like merging all of those things, because those are all the things that are involved with building cities as well and small businesses. Mm -hmm. So bringing all those things together to really like address entrepreneurship, small businesses in cities and how to actually unlock some of the government funding and government resources that are available to small businesses and make it accessible. So really, I think back to my parents, again, being refugees coming here, not knowing the language, not having the money, but being able to start a business and how hard it's been for them over Mm -hmm. the last 40 years. They still own that business, but they grew it to three locations, scaled it back down. We have three kids in the family, right? Like put three kids through college. Um, How did they do all of those things? And it took a lot of work and a lot of pain and a lot of failures. And I think back, and I, I think like today in the last five years has been when they finally hit their stride, right? Like they've got everything figured out. They know the patterns and the rhythm and they know how to move really quickly. They know who to talk to, but it took them 40 years to get there. And I think, man, if we want more people to be successful, we need to figure out how to get them there faster. And I think they're, they're, minority in many senses, but minority in the fact that like they survived it. Business is all about when are you going to give up? And, <laughs> yeah. and they just haven't given up, right? And yeah. I think the problem is like, there's so many people that don't have those resources. They definitely did it, but they got lucky a lot of times. And it's it's just how much luck do you get, right? Like how many chances do you get? And they took advantage of every one of those chances. And mm-hmm. I, I agree, entrepreneurship isn't for everybody, but it took them like, it took them taking advantage of every single freaking opportunity that came their way. Whereas I think a lot of people that come from generational wealth or who have tons of access to the right people can fail like hundreds of times and get it and then still come out at the end, like in, in two years with investment and funding and all of this, like the parachute, the uh, backed by parachute by backed by parachute, right? And Mm -hmm. I think my parents, if they had failed even twice, they would have been done for and probably set to a path of poverty, right? And so they had to take advantage of these opportunities. For example, like my mom and my parents would not be able to qualify for a loan, right? Like there's no Mm -hmm. way they could qualify for a loan. And so they had to work a deal with the landlord to like essentially buy off the property or not buy off the property, buy off the business, right? Um, Somebody Mm -hmm. was happened to close and they just did installments or rent to own process and negotiated that. And my mom, I mean, if you think about it, it was 1970s and she was around, it was around that time that women were even allowed to have their own bank account for a business. And even today, like I go out and sign for a building, I have to get my husband's like co-signing because because of the way that the country works. Right. And so like thinking about those challenges that are not that, that, weren't that long ago. Um, and she was mm-hmm. still able to, to figure that out. So anyways, my point is those were a lot of hurdles that she had to go through and she was only allowed to fail twice. Otherwise it would have set her back pretty far. Whereas I think a lot of other people have, have the ability and the stability to be able to take these monumental risks, which is great. We want everybody in the entire world to be able to do that because imagine the kinds of ideas and solutions that would come out mm-hmm. if people had the ability to really like chase something they're passionate about. Because if you're, if you're passionate about it, it'll, you'll be successful, right? But if you're sitting behind a mountain of debt, and you have health issues and could be prone to medical uh, going to the hospital and don't have insurance and 
that leads you like one step away from bankruptcy or, you know, having to lose your house. And that's just not, I wouldn't recommend jumping into entrepreneurship if you're in that like high risk situation. It's just, it's too Mm -hmm. risky, especially if you have a family. So like my work is around how do we lower the risks to entrepreneurship and small businesses, especially for people of color? And how do we connect funding aspects and elements and educate people on the resources that resources that exist out there? Because traditionally those resources aren't being routed to the right people. And I mean, you see it in the PPP loan. Oh yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's all of those things, government programs, while they mean well, aren't marketed well, and they don't know how to reach the people that really need those funds. And I think a lot of times there's just not a mindset to dig in deep to understand how to create equitable solutions for our country. Yeah. Well, first of all, I mean, I think you have the most amazing role models. I mean, I am an entrepreneur myself, but I am a white female and, you know, I've I've got a lot of privilege and I can't imagine doing it without, you know, the support of my family and without some of the things that have made my life easier and absolute kudos to your parents. That's amazing that they've been able to put three kids through college and make their business grow to three locations. And I mean, I hear you. I feel like we're all just like, you know, one more catastrophe away from giving up. And, you know, it's such a testament that you have become such an amazing entrepreneur. You're one of the only women I know in co-working who's gone out and bought her own building. And it pisses me off that your husband had to sign it as well because it's bullshit. I mean, you built this thing and I just absolutely commend you on what you're doing. And when I think of Don't Waste a Crisis, I think of you, Jenny, because the work that you're doing with the the government and trying to help others is so important. And I absolutely love it. And I want to hear more about how you think other people in the co-working world could learn from what you've been working on. Because I think it is something that couldn't be proliferated and help many cities. So through the pandemic, we had to close and we had to figure out what does the future look like for us? We knew that we were going to reopen and eventually, actually, there's going to be more people wanting to be a part of co-working. But around this time, we were closing our space. We were also seeing what do we do with our time, right? Like if we're not managing a space, what are we doing with our time? And end of last year, we kind of had this realization. We've been trying to scale our business for five years now, right? And we have another location and another a third location that's kind of in the works that we're thinking about. But it's a it's a long process, especially because our process for scaling is owner, building ownership or large-scale partnerships with government and with university partners. Um, and those just take a long time to get mm-hmm. done nonprofit, nonprofit type organization. So they have boards and there's this whole like, there's a whole long process to it. And we're, we're just like at the end of last year, this realization of like our end, what is our end goal? Our end goal is to help more cities distribute and create better communities, right? Like and help and create more equitable entrepreneurial ecosystems. How do we, how do we do that? Like we know what the recipe is for it. And most cities have all these pieces. It's connecting all of it. And so we kind of took all of our learnings of a co-working space of like that general mantra of we're all connected, right? And applying it to a city level 
we've been doing educational series since the beginning. So we have 10 years of experience in running a weekly educational series um, to help our entrepreneurs. And we're like, why haven't we captured this? Like we're talking about scale, right? Like how do we scale this? And so essentially at the end of last year, we decided we're going to build our community so that it could be applied beyond physical space, right? Like we're going to build our community in the digital space and let's start, start thinking about what that looks like. And it started with actually our programming, right? Like we started moving our incubator program into the digital space. We have our rapid launch program, which is anybody who wants to start a business. Here's the nuts and bolts from like idea validation to actually launching and starting to sell something. And so we said, let's, let's just put, let's start with putting this in the digital space. And so we started moving that into the digital space and we started setting up to actually record our, our, our um, learning sessions that we do every week um, and doing live stream of that. We bought all the equipment for it and ran one session that was live streamed before the shutdown. Um, and then we're like, you know what? We have all this time. Let's let's really dig in and do this, right? Like we'll continue running these educational sessions. We'll move them over to Zoom just like everybody else did, right? But we're going to record this and we're going to put it into a library structure so that people can come back at any point and pick up any of these sessions. And so started just building those two elements. And then this, the, one of the cities we're, we're expanding into sent us an RFP and said, we want ideas for how how we can help our small business community right now through COVID. Would you guys submit an idea? What we're really looking for is somebody to do these webinars and also so that we can provide resources to our entrepreneur community. So we want partners to do webinars. And then we also want people to do one-on-one support for small businesses. So anything a small business needs, please be like a case manager or an advisor to them. Can you please submit a proposal for what that might look like? And we thought about that. We're like, that's great. That's everything we do, right? Like every day a person mm-hmm. walks in and our goal is to make sure that we help them solve their problems. And And thought about it for a second. And we said, what if like what we're trying to do could be applied citywide, right? Like what if, what if what we're building in the midst of building could actually be citywide and not just for cahoots. And so we reconfigured what we were working on and said, how would this need to work for it to be citywide? Like this is a great opportunity for us to think about what we really want to do at a city level, right? Like my friends mm-hmm. have always said, what you've built at Cahoots is like a mini city. Like you brought in all the different kinds of people who represented all the different industries and you find a way to get them to connect and build community within that space. And so um, I said, what if we could do this at a city level? What would that take? And so that took us saying, one of the problems with Cahoots being a citywide brand is there are partners in that space. And while we collaborate under the co-working alliance, um, there's still a potential for competition in that level, right? And what mm-hmm. if we rethought the role of government? What if government was a connector and and we were just players in that, right? And so how could we how could we support government? in this very important role right now when all small businesses and entrepreneurs are looking to government to help solve a lot of their problems. And then we also have worked with government before small business uh, under different programs with our cities and have realized also how very poorly run a lot of governments, local governments are, mainly because they're understaffed and underfunded. So Mm -hmm. how can we 
use technology, use the things we know about community building and apply that to a city so that they can scale, right? So that they can scale. There's such incredible forces of communication, like huge vehicle for communication, a level of trust and also mistrust there, I think, um, Mm -hmm. that lives within a city, depending on who you're talking to, right? Like some small businesses, incredibly trusting of cities, some small businesses, specifically communities of color, very mistrusting of government. But also I know that government holds within its power all of these potential opportunities to create programs, to open access to funding and capital and be like that, not seed funding, small businesses, but be that extra leg up for a small business right now that's that's really needed and the city could do that. And so how do I make sure that every business gets access to something like that? And I so essentially we built this platform that is citywide branded. We basically run it. We put all of our staff towards it and we run co-working across the city, <laughs> provide <laughs> the resources and, and let the city take the uh, recognition for that. <laughs> yeah, take the credit for it, which, you know, like I think a lot of people get really frustrated when city does that, right? Like, no, I'm not going to help you. No, I'm not going to help you until you're successful. And then at that point, yeah, whatever you need. And we yeah. saw that, right? Like we saw that in the beginning when we were like, city, can you please help us? But they're risk averse organizations. And so now I, I get it, but I also get that you have to prove yourself. You have to, you have to gain trust. You have to exist in that space. And so us working with government is really around tapping into some funds that they've been, they always a lot to help small businesses, not us taking those funds, but helping to distribute them to communities that traditionally do not get access to them and being that liaison. So can these funds, like these micro grants that have been coming out or these grant programs, can we help make sure that small business communities get access to that by bringing all of the entrepreneurs and small businesses onto one platform that all partners are connected to and that the city is is driving, right? Like the city gets a recognition for bringing this to the table. City funds it, but entrepreneurs come on and it's kind of like, I've been saying it's, it's like next door, the neighbor app, but for entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. you're, open free for all entrepreneurs in your city and the city every time they launch a new program these communities get immediate notification via text and email and then they can immediately access it so there's a lot of work up front for us to connect to those partners and make sure those partners understand what we're doing and that they're engaged in this as well in this collaborative initiative to create access to resources but then the second piece is like entrepreneurs can help each other so on here just like you have your facebook group any time you have a problem with something, you can post it. What's your like, what's the CRM you're using that you would recommend, right? And you get tons of comments mm-hmm. on it and you can go ahead and research it, right? And I think for us in the co-working space, like we know co-working. So that seems like so easy and common and like not even a huge feature, right? Like that's just what happens when you co-work. But when I think back to my parents and what resources they had, they had none of that, right? Like they didn't have somebody they could turn to to say, like, what is the best process for me to navigate this the upcoming tax season, right? Like, mm-hmm. and who do I talk to to do digital marketing? It was me sitting with them a year ago to help them transition from being a totally cash-based business to a digital credit card-based business. <laughs> and what kind of business do they run? I'm so curious. It's a restaurant. It's a small Chinese Vietnamese restaurant um, Mm -hmm. that actually now is really popular with vegans because they've they've done a lot of (laughs) like vegan. Mm -hmm. 
And so like it is, it's partly, it's definitely a big part of my mom being super innovative and like Mm -hmm. a fireball. But also I think about just how much further could she have gone? How much faster could she have gone if she had the right people surrounding her and like the resources? They didn't apply for the PPP loan because their books were a mess, right? So all of Mm. these things that that while we look at from the co-working perspective, we typically serve knowledge worker type businesses. We don't typically serve restaurants and brick and mortar because we have physical space. But the knowledge that we have as knowledge workers, um, catering towards knowledge workers can be so helpful to these small businesses that traditionally don't have access to those kinds of people, right? But they exist in every city. They just need to be connected. Yeah. And I love that your inspiration keeps coming back to your family and specifically your mom and that you're raising a strong little girl yourself. Like it's just, it's so cool. And I love what you've done. Now, I I know we talked before and I think you were looking at maybe expanding this program a little bit. Is there, and I think there's some cities in particular you're looking for? If you want to tell us who those are, maybe we can help you find them. Yeah. And and a big piece of this is knowing which co-working spaces. So our, our expansion plan is to work with co-working spaces that are like ours, right? That are passionate mm-hmm. about your local community, that know a ton of very outstanding, talented, knowledge worker type people, right? Designers, developers, people who can, if connected to local small businesses, could do incredible work. Not your, we're not looking at WeWork, we're looking at, you know, your small, not even small, but local co-working space that's diehard about their entrepreneur community and partnering Mm -hmm. with them and having them help encourage community building in an online space as well. And I know that all co-working spaces are lacking funding right now. So a big part of expansion is getting some kind of funding to those local co-working spaces for their support, right? Having Mm -hmm. them do what they do already, but do it on a citywide platform that's in their city, um, branded as their city, and and helping to lead some of that. And we can write in funding um, to help them do what they already do within their co-working space. So um, any city, we're not looking at like major metropolitan areas like like San Francisco or New York, but second tier cities, third tier cities, even rural communities. We've been asked to expand to a lot of rural communities and the numbers just don't make sense for us to manage mm-hmm. a space like that. It, rural communities really need like their economic developers to kind of lead that that initiative, but like a digital platform could help them do that. And we wouldn't, it'd be less, less expensive, right. For them to Mm -hmm. be able to still cultivate the same level of community building, um, without having to have a physical space per se, especially in the middle of pandemic where everybody's socially distancing, but still connect their entrepreneurs to each other and provide that kind of resource. So honestly, like any, any major city that has an economic development or team development team or a city council mayor collaborative Mm -hmm. that's really focused on helping their small businesses right now and that like right now a lot of it is cares funding funded so if there's some cares funding left over this could be a really cool tool um, to help cities essentially connect and then bringing all of the pieces together with like we have our um, local first collaborative we have asian chamber black chamber hispanic chamber 
all of those collaboratives coming in and helping to bring their entrepreneurs together. So we come in and we help, we have a framework for how we do partnerships. It's obviously led by the city. So that helps with creating these partnerships. Mm -hmm. So really looking for small or cities. I mean, we're, we're launching in Phoenix, um, which is the fifth largest city. So we're not against like (laughs) a million, but not like your Silicon Valley or New York or LA, right? Like those are two. I know there's some people listening right now that are like, okay, okay, but how do I get a hold of Jenny? How do I get a hold of Jenny? You can email me at Jenny at Cohoots, which is C-O-H-O-O-T-S, and it's Jenny with a Y. You can find me on Twitter at Pundingo. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty much around. Our website is Cohoots.com, C-O-H-O-O-T-S.com. And the new platform for cities is at joinhub.com. And hub is with two U's. So if you want to like Google that you can go and go find it there but yeah we need like it's true <laughs> partnership building so we need local co-working communities we need our minority chambers and then we need city that is committed to it and so I can help you know put all the pieces together and we have a pretty good case study we're launching in three more cities in the next two months but more cities the better and yeah I mean Jenny it's amazing I think the thing I love is you you met government where they're at and you're accepting them who they are and what their goals are and have figured out a way to work with them and to bring diversity and inclusivity in and to help people and to get funding and to support entrepreneurs and all these things that are so needed because as in really any economic downturn we all know the thing that's going to pull us back out of this is the you and me of the world. It's the small business owners that are just got no quit in them and are just going to keep doing this and making it happen because they have no choice. And I just absolutely commend you on what you're doing. And I hope you get a ton of extra inquiries after this because you should. Because if you're a co-working owner and you're looking for ways to connect your community, ways to help your community, ways to build up diversity in your city, this is a great way to do it. So badass as usual. All right, I'm going to totally switch over to another area area because we're almost out of time that I'm super interested in. And I like to get into a little bit of personal here. I saw on Facebook that your beautiful little daughter met the VP elect. And I wanted to hear about that and what that day was like. Yeah, it was incredible. So I have been hounding. So we have a lot of social impact businesses, social enterprises at Cahoots, and also a lot of advocacy groups. One of the advocacy groups there, the lead staff member went and worked for Biden's campaign for Arizona. Mm -hmm. And so I've been hassling him. I'm like, you know what? I don't, I'm not like Mm -hmm. super eager to meet Biden, but if there's ever a moment to meet (laughs) Kamala, like I am all in for that. Um, And so he's been like trying to get me and they were planning, potentially planning like a pop-up event at Cahoots to Mm. Arizona became a a purple blue state, right? A swing state in this last election, which was incredibly exciting. And because of all of the hard work that I've seen with the advocacy groups, like I have to give them huge props for everything they pulled out. Like the Latino vote and the native vote like was huge in Arizona. And so anyways, I've been hassling him about it. And one day he was like at midnight, he was like, okay, we're we're planning like a car rally. It's not the best kind of event that you'd want to be at, but I can probably get you into that. And I was like, 
okay, great. And so the next day we drove up, I was first in line there, like just waiting <laughs> to get in there and pulled my daughter out of school. Like she wasn't in physical school anyway, so she's doing remote. And so we, she was in her school outfit and um, pulled her out and we just sat there and waited, um, pulled into this car rally, sat there and waited. And Alicia Keys was there, did an opening. Kamala comes oh, I love on, her. does her speech, gets everybody rallied up. And then she starts to head off the stage. And I was just like, okay, let's go to the end of the stage and just wave. But you know, like it's the middle of the day. Um, there's like no other kids around. And I know that Kamala loves uh, kids, but mm-hmm. you know, I didn't expect her to stop. So she's coming off the stage and she sees my daughter, Ada, and does a like connects eye to eye and does a beeline straight towards her. Mm. And she's like, oh my God, where have you been? What? are you guys doing here? And straight only talking to her. Like <laughs> my mm. husband and I are chopped liver. Um, but she goes <laughs> and just has this whole conversation with my daughter who's six. And my daughter's mm-hmm. like, uh, is she talking to me? <laughs> um, so it was incredible. We tried to take a bunch of pictures, but you know, like we're just in awe that she's actually sitting here talking to our daughter. And she just says, what's your name, honey? Like, what are you doing? And, and, and where have you been? I didn't even see you. Like had this whole conversation. And then she says goodbye and walks off. And um, later that night, I was... and leading up to this, every time we've seen Kamala on TV, I've been telling my daughter, this is, this could be our future president. Isn't she awesome? And like, what do you think about her? You know, and she said, she seems really smart. And, you know, we've been talking her up Mm -hmm. and trying to explain who this person is. And then she sees her and I don't think she immediately connected the dots, but later she was like, I have lots of questions I want to ask her. And so we recorded these questions and started sending them over. Um, and there were silly questions, but uh, it was just, it was cute. But of course, like a six-year-old, she was just like, I don't know if you're familiar with Ryan's toys, but any mom who has like a six-year-old <laughs> or younger right now knows Ryan's toys. It's this YouTube kid that just unwraps toys and gives mm-hmm. them and makes billions of dollars that kids kids love watching. And she was like, does does Auntie Kamala know Ryan's toys? Because I would really like to meet Ryan. <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> You just met the VC <laughs> of America, right? And you you would rather meet Ryan from Ryan's toy. <laughs> Um, but it was great, you know, like, and I think years from now, she'll, she'll probably be asked what happened in the year of COVID for you. And she'll probably say, I didn't get to see like another person for six months. And I got to meet Kamala. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it was, it was incredible to think that she got to meet her. I know. I love that. I love that seeing the little girls looking up to her. It's just amazing. Okay. So one last question and we are out of time. I'm always amazed at how fast these go, but I see lots of fun things on Facebook with you and your husband and your daughter. And I see lots of um, references, I think, to Star Wars and stuff. So I'm just wondering what your superpower is, Jenny. Oh, man. Um, I thought this was going to be an actual Star Wars question because I was like, I don't, I don't actually don't know a lot about Star Wars. Um, (laughs) I think my superpower is I'm a pretty quick to act person. And so when I have an idea for anything, I can usually put it, put all the pieces together in my head and execute it within an hour. And I don't know if you would call this a superpower then. So I'm pretty impatient as well. And that (laughs) leads me to getting things done really, really quickly and getting also really, really frustrated when things take longer than they, than I feel like they should, which those two combinations of like a quick 
to act person and super impatient means I've harnessed this ability to, I think, come up with solutions and execute them incredibly mm-hmm. quickly um, and learn that like I that leads to curiosity, right? Like I've learned to be a web designer and developer. I've learned to find the tools that I need. I've learned to create hacks and, and use technology to create efficiencies wherever I can. We run a 14,000 square foot building with essentially at this point, a half a person, right? And like I run this new, launch this new business model with two people. Now we're scaling up and we're hiring a lot more people, but I can usually put together an idea and test it really quickly because of being really impatient <laughs> and probably having incredibly, um, incredibly unrealistic expectations of what <laughs> of what should be accomplished when but I think that allows me to experiment like really really quickly write things off and test them really really fast and and have a good solution then. well I think that's an amazing superpower and it shows in all you've accomplished you should be so proud of yourself and I'm sure your family is so proud of you and I love what you're doing so innovative you're definitely not wasting a crisis and you're going to inspire a lot of little girls too, Jenny. It's amazing. Thank you. Oh, my other superpower is I can probably fall asleep in a car within two minutes of being in a car. (laughs) Well, that's good because I hear you're sleep deprived and I've been meaning to get on to you about that. So I'm glad to hear that. You just need to have people drive you around more apparently. Yeah, (laughs) I'm like a baby. I just need a car. (laughs) Just put her in the car. She'll fall asleep. (laughs) Well, thank you again for your time, Jenny. And thanks for joining us on the Juicy podcast. We will see you next time. Thank you. Thanks, everyone.